Hello, I'm Penny Johnston. You're listening to Baby Talk on ABC Radio. Coming up this week, we're taking a look at how a research project is hoping to catch all the babies born in Victoria. This is Baby Talk with Penny Johnston on ABC Radio. Victoria has almost 170,000 babies born every year. And this year and next, every family who has a baby is being asked to participate in one of the biggest statewide research initiatives ever attempted in Australia. The researchers are hoping to create the most complete picture of the health and well-being of Victorian babies and their parents. Because of this research, these babies being tagged as Generation V could be the healthiest ever, providing information about the earliest stages of anxiety, mental illness, learning difficulties, allergies, even obesity. In the future, specialists, they hope, will be able to identify these diseases before they start, meaning that in future, healthcare would be based on prevention of illness. And every Victorian family with a newborn will be invited to participate. Now, while we know that most parents of newborns have quite a bit to do, so we thought it would be interesting to discover what's involved in this study before you get an invitation. And joining us today is Professor Melissa Wake from the Murdoch Children's Research Institute and University of Melbourne. Now, Professor Melissa Wake is a paediatrician and she is the scientific director of Generation Victoria, or Gen V as it's being called. Melissa, tell us, how do you describe Gen V to your friends? I describe Gen V as incredibly exciting. I describe it as a game changer. I describe it as a way that we can help to keep babies and children and also their parents, adults, as both individuals and populations healthy and developing well across the life course. Gen V is a birth cohort and by birth cohort that means that we offer participation to lots and lots of babies and their parents and then we follow them over time. Gen V is a whole of Victoria cohort so it's targeting every single baby or 150,000 babies born and their parents over the two years from October 2021. We talk about Gen V as having six building blocks so these are consistent you've got to agree to sign up. Biosamples, we hope to collect or access existing biosamples um, to understand the biology of health and development. Linkage to your existing administrative and services data so that it's very low burden for you, but the data that is already contributed every time you visit a service is actually put to good use for future health and wellbeing. Gen V collected data, so that's small amounts of data that we collect directly from you where you can tell us about your and your baby's health, well-being and development. And finally, integrated studies. So that's where we have smaller studies embedded within Gen V that are about making additional discoveries or finding additional solutions to specific issues. So those are the building blocks of Gen V. So if, for example, you visit the doctor with your baby five times in a year with a throat infection, that would be the sort of information that goes onto the record? Yeah, so what we will aim to do is collect existing information about, um, for example, clinical services that your, your child might receive. So that might be if you go to the doctor 
or if you unfortunately admitted to hospital, all of those things are recorded already. And if we can get information into Gen V about the services that people access, we can then combine that with other information about risk factors or about long-term outcomes or about equity of the services that people receive. And that all becomes part of the kind of discoveries that, that Gen V can make. I'm thinking there's a big study in Western Australia. When they were crunching the numbers, they discovered that being born a few weeks before your due date meant that even up to 18 years of age, you were more likely to be hospitalised with a chest infection, which isn't an obvious link but that was that was again from a big longitudinal study yeah so so very large longitudinal studies can can make those kinds of decisions so you know for instance does it actually matter if you were born at 36 or 37 or 38 weeks of pregnancy now that's a very common kind of scenario particularly with cesarean sections being so common these days but it might be that or indeed it is that every additional week you remain unborn actually has important benefits to your ability to fight infection, to your brain growth, to a whole range of things. And you need really large studies to have enough numbers to be able to see those very fine-grained differences that actually can make an enormous difference to many thousands of babies as these decisions are made about, well, I need to have a caesarean. When is the best time for that to happen? How does it actually work? Our vision is that by 2035, Gen V will have helped to solve complex issues facing our children and our adults, both now and in the future. To do that, we are mounting what is called a birth cohort. And a birth cohort is where you offer the opportunity to participate to lots of people in our case, um, newborn babies and their parents, and then you then you watch them over time. We're aiming to offer participation to every single baby born in Victoria over the next two years from the start of October. All of those babies born in every birthing hospital or in home can take part, be part of Gen V in the future. And one of the really exciting things about Gen V is that it's not just about watching, it's also about helping to fix things and find solutions. So if people do take part, it's very likely they'll also have the opportunity to take part in studies within Gen V where we might be able to test new approaches or new solutions as well as uh, being part of the overall Gen V. When you're pitching a big study like this based on the other ones that have gone before you what sort of things have they uncovered? So there's wonderful longitudinal studies or birth cohorts around the world and also in Australia a number of them based at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute. So an example of that is the longitudinal study of Australian children. They that has followed 10,000 children right across Australia for nearly 20 years now and I was lucky enough to be involved in it. And the sorts of things they really look at are, are what's it like being a child or, or, or a parent in today's world? What's changing? What is it that sets up children and their parents for, for the best possible lives? Whether it's in terms of their physical health or their mental health or their social well-being or their ability to actively you know, contribute and participate to their communities. They uncover many things through longitudinal studies. We're able to um, understand 
what we call the natural history of certain conditions, you know, how do things play out? What happens if, if your child gets attention deficit disorder? What happens if your child has, epile- has epilepsy? How do these things play out over time? So we, we can understand natural history, we can predict, and we can look at long-term outcomes, all of those sorts of things. Where GenV is different is that it's much, much bigger So there's now around the world some very large studies that are really kind of transforming the way in which policy and practice questions are answered. But mostly they're for older people, so people in the ageing and elderly bracket looking at what makes for a good end of life. GenV is one of the first very, very large studies that's really focusing on that start of life. How do we get people, help people to get onto the very best trajectories from the very outset? And the second way in which it's different, as I kind of alluded to before, is that we're hoping to embed actual testing of new approaches, whether that's through trials or other interventions that communities or individual researchers might might mount to test new approaches to some of the really pressing problems that, that kids and adults are facing today. I understand that one of the, the big projects that you have been involved in is the, the testing of babies for their hearing ability. Yes, very involved as a paediatrician and researcher with the evolution of early diagnosis of hearing loss in Australia, working with a wonderful group of people right through the 90s and the early part of 2000s, we were able to implement the Victorian Infant Hearing Screening Program. And what that means is that since about 2010, the age of at which a child who's born with a, a significant hearing loss is detected is now in the first two months of life, whereas it used to be not on average until about two years of age. And you can imagine what a difference that makes to parents and what a difference it makes to children, both to know, um, but also to be able to offer intervention for children who are born deaf. So that was an amazing, amazing achievement. And then with Gen V, it's been really exciting also to work with the Victorian Infant Hearing Program, who are our partners in Gen V, working in every birthing hospital right across Victoria, both public and private. So one of of the things about Gen V is that it really is for everybody no matter where you come from, what language you speak, what community you may be part of, Gen V is for you and we we really, really hope that you'll sign up because you can really make a difference. It's going to become obvious into the future how the information that you're gathering is going to be able to be used. But you spoke about being able to help children early. Is this because of part of the screening that you're working on? There are lots of issues that kids and and families face and those very early years are just so critically important to you know, children's well-being right through life. When I started my work as a paediatrician in the 80s and, and 1990s, you know, we, we were dealing with issues like autism, allergy, asthma, obesity, mental health issues. None of those things have gone away and many of them have their genesis in the early part of life. So with Gen V, what we're really hoping is Gen V will lead to better prediction, better prevention, better early treatments, potentially more equitable services for kids. And if that can happen early, then it should be much, much more effective than the kind of ambulance at the bottom of the cliff approach, which is so often the way we still have to deal with these issues 30 years down the track. You know, there were huge assumptions made about 
things that affected children's health until you can actually come up with these sort of large-scale studies? Well, that's right. If we don't have the right information, then then you've got to work with the information that, that you do have. And you know, back in the fifties and sixties, there often wasn't much much information available. There just weren't studies like this. So now is an incredibly exciting time to be mounting a study like GenV, because firstly, it can be large. Secondly, it can involve the full diversity of our community, and you know, different different parts of our community may have different different risk factors, different exposures, different responses. So it can be very personalised to different individuals or groups. The other really exciting thing about it is because there have been so many scientific advances recently, we're able to bring in, as well as parent-reported information, we can also bring in biology through biosamples. We can also bring in really exciting new measures that might tell us about healthy brain development or healthy growth or other new measures. And so we can actually create a much richer data set and picture that really kind of captures all of these issues right from kind of our molecules right up to society and really look at which are the most important influences and how do they work together to shape an individual child or an individual parent. What does it take from the parents to be involved in this study? Well, it's very simple. We aim to approach every new mother either in uh, the hospital or soon after, in the days or weeks after birth, after after they go home. So mums, dads, all parents. We will then invite you to take part in GenV. You then decide whether you want to sign up to it. That takes about 15 or 20 minutes. Then we follow people over the next years and we do that via very short surveys which we push out to people via their phone or their their tablet or their computer. We also ask people to agree to allow us to access data that's already collected in all of their routine visits, etc., for example, to maternal and child health nurses or previous blood tests or biosamples that they may have contributed so that value can come back in from those sources of information and actually become part of GenV for very low burden to the family. So it's extremely low burden to take part. We want to make it as easy as possible, wherever you are, whatever language you speak. We will try and make it very, very easy for you to be part of Gen V. That is reassuring that there's not lots of forms to fill out, especially if you're you're struggling with life as a new parent. Well, that's right. And we, we know that parents are busy and we know that parents have lots of other things that they, they need to do, including spend lots of time with, with their baby and um, you know all the other things that we do in, the, in these busy lives that we lead so we want to make it very easy so that so that Gen V is really mostly working in the background and really that we're turning that information that already exists into benefit for kids and adults down the future. What what advantages might an individual family have by by taking part? Yeah, look, we find that very many parents do sign up to research and, and when they do, they, they tell us it's for a variety of reasons. Um, sometimes it's for the satisfaction of taking part themselves, that they contributing to a better life for future children and families. 
sometimes it's because that they find out more themselves um, about themselves or their own child as they go through their life journey. Sometimes people do get direct benefit from taking part. For instance, if they're able to be in a trial, for instance, that does prove to be beneficial. Mostly, though, it is because they want to make a contribution. Being a paediatrician is one of those jobs that's so so loved and admired in our society. I'm interested why you decided to move into the research field. Yes, look, you know, it, it actually surprised me. So <laughs> when I was doing my medical school training and when I went into paediatrics, I actually had really no knowledge of research, research and no intention of undertaking research. What I came to realise is what a powerful force for good research is. You know, there are so many things that we benefit from now. So, you know, things like antibiotics, things like treatments for cancer, so many things have happened because people before us took part in research. And I just wanted to be part of that. So it's always such a joy to work with individual kids and parents, you know, if a child is sick and and you can play a role in helping them to understand their sickness and to get better from it, then that's a wonderful thing. The joy of research is that you can potentially help hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people in the future. And I think that's what drives all of us um, in research. It's the joy of thinking about and contributing to a better future for, for everybody. How do you actually sign up? It's, this is a state-wide research at the moment, so it's only, you're only looking for Victorian families. But how do parents get involved and what age babies are you looking for? Okay, so um, as of October the 4th, We are in every single hospital in Victoria. We've been scaling up for a while, so babies and parents have been joining Gen V now since um, December. But as of October the 4th, we're in every single hospital. So if you are a new parent and you have a baby born over the next two years, then we will aim to contact you to ask you if you would like to take part. If we miss you, you can call us. You can go to the GNV website and there is a link there and a number that you can call to sign up. So, so long as you have a baby who was born in the, in the two years between October the 4th, 2021 and September 2023, you can sign up. We will come to you or you can call us doesn't matter where you live, what you do, who you are, what language you speak, we would love you to be part of Gen V. And so obviously you try and make it as easy as possible in that everything's online or on your phone. And I guess the other thing that people might worry about is privacy. How do you protect children into the future with privacy in the information that you're gathering about them? Yeah, we really understand the importance of privacy and security. So it's something that we take very seriously, as do our participants. We keep any information that we have very safe and secure. We separate it out from the information that might identify people. And we operate under a principle called the five safes, which is a way of trying to make everything as safe and secure as it possibly can be. So that's around having very, very safe and secure data and IT systems 
but also around making sure that the people who access the data for research purposes are safe, that the data itself is safe, it's really de-identified to, to the greatest extent possible, that the research itself is also safe and that people can only access the data in a safe setting. So those are the five safes. So there's many different ways in which we keep data safe, secure and able to generate that benefit into the future. Once children um, themselves are becoming adults, they'll have the opportunity to decide for themselves whether they want to continue to take part. In the meantime, of course, it's um, their parents who, who take on that role for them. And Gen V, who's funding the project? Is this a, a big government initiative? Um, Gen V is led from the Murdoch Children's Research Institute with research and academic partners right across Victoria and beyond. We're very fortunate to have two major funding partners. The first is the Victorian Government and the second is the Paul Ramsey Foundation. And those are our two major funders who have really bought into the importance of Gen V and enabled it to happen. So we're incredibly grateful to them. We have a number of other funders as well and we're grateful to every single one of them. We're really excited that, that already more than 6,000 babies are signed up to Gen V even while we were still scaling up and more than 15,000 participants altogether. So we know that parents want to be part of Gen V and that's really affirming for us. How many families are you hoping to get to make this study worthwhile? We haven't set a number that we want to sign up. The aim of Gen V is to offer participation to all 150,000 babies born over the next two years and their parents and then follow them into the future. The more that sign up the stronger the information becomes. For example, if you're from a, a very small community, for instance, the more people in your community, whether it's a, you know, a town or an ethnic group or whatever, the more people that sign up, the more you will actually have a voice. So we're really hoping that as many as possible of those 150,000 babies will join Gen V, but no matter what the number, the information will still be incredibly valuable. Gen V is already larger than the largest cohort previously at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute. But, you know, whether it's 30,000, 70,000, 100,000, 120,000, it just gets better and better. So we want as many families as possible to be involved and hopefully as many as possible will sign up. Professor Melissa Wake from the Murdoch Children's Research Institute and University of Melbourne. She's not just a paediatrician, she's also scientific director of Generation Victoria. And that project, which at the moment is just based in Victoria, is a model that could potentially be developed in different states around Australia. But it's going to be fascinating to see how the information it uncovers paves the way for health prevention projects in the future. Now, last week on Baby Talk, we learnt about a new phrase, matrescence, and why it's so important for women to own the process that turns them into mothers. If the mother isn't thriving, then the children won't thrive. And if the children aren't thriving, then the world can't thrive. So we need the mother who's the top. I, I sort of explain it like if you imagine, you know, those champagne coupe towers when someone, when there's all the champagne glasses are stacked yes. on top of each other and someone pours on top of the, the first glass of champagne and it trickles down into the other glasses, the mother is the top glass. And if the mother isn't full 
and however that looks for her, because we're all very different, so it's different for every mother, then it can't trickle down into the other parts of her life, which of course includes the children. So making sure that the mother is thriving is one of the most important things that we can do as individuals and as a society. You can find that story on the Baby Talk website and also on Baby Talk, a couple of important podcasts about COVID-19 immunisation. That's still so important for mothers who are pregnant or hoping to be. So if you needed another nudge to convince you that immunisation is the way to go, This is Professor Ryan Hodges. The problem is pregnancy is the risk factor. So yes, it's more likely if women who are pregnant have got diabetes, high blood pressure, overweight, they're smoking, that kind of thing. Yeah, they're more likely to have more severe disease. But even just being pregnant on its own makes you a high-risk group. We are in the middle of a very severe pandemic and being pregnant, unfortunately, places you at higher risk that you're going to need to come to hospital. And if you're going to need to come to hospital, you're going to need some treatments. And, you, you know, there's a likelihood that you can be quite unwell and you may need to be born early and more likely to have a caesarean section and all, all of those things. Professor Ryan Hodges and the podcast and all the Baby Talk podcasts are available on iTunes, on the ABC Listen app and on the Baby Talk website, which you can find by searching Baby Talk one word in your search engine. I'm Penny Johnston and I'll see you next time on Baby Talk. ABC Baby Talk is a weekly podcast on ABC Radio, wherever you get your podcasts and on the ABC Listen app. Like us on Facebook to find out as soon as a new episode is ready. Just search for ABC Baby Talk.